everyone. Welcome to episode 10 of the Finger Guns podcast. We made it. We're in double figures, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourselves a round of applause. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bravo, bravo, gentlemen. Bravo. This episode is going to be all about uh, the last 10 episodes and our favorite moments. No, it's not. Don't worry. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> our favorite moments is essentially just Paul ranting about Anthem, which is my favorite moment of the entire podcast series thus far. Yeah. Oh, one of the greatest I moments in history. Yeah, one of the greatest moments in history. Yeah, it's going to go down in history books. Can anyone remember the date when Paul really rigged Anthem over the coals for being a (laughs) shitty product? (laughs) 2,000 years from now, they're going to be like, we know, we know the date. Please, 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 please don't get me started on Anthem because I'm still raging about it. uh... Yeah, I missed that podcast, so, uh, you know. Yeah, you did. Oh, man. Have you got anything to say about Anthem? We'll get into it later, don't worry about it. I'm your host, Roscoe Kennison, and I'm joined by, if you haven't guessed already, Mr. Paul Collett. Hello. Wow, he is enthused this week, ladies and gentlemen. He is <laughs> pumped. <laughs> pumped. And of course, the one and only, the knowledge, Mr. Sean Davies. Roger. How are you, man? All right? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's half term, so I'm currently sorting drinks out. <laughs> all, all my, yeah, yeah. Apparently, all of my kids don't understand what bedtime means anymore. So uh, <laughs> I'm just going to take my belt off, and I'll be back in a second. Yes. <laughs> that oh, is a Jesus. Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, everything's good. Well, if you didn't know, this is the Finger Guns podcast. Every single week we get together and talk about everything awesome about video games and all the latest gaming news, along with what we've been playing. And, of course, Sean's nefarious quiz, which he'll challenge us on a little bit later on. Uh, we're going to kick off, though, with, of course, what we've been playing. So, uh, Mr. Sean Davies, what have you been playing this week? Ooh, bit of a mixed bag, really. Um, I've been working really hard, so um, I haven't had much time to play. But what I have been playing has been a very wide variety. So I've been playing um, Kid Venture or Venture Kid. I can't remember which way around it is. On the Nintendo Switch. It's Venture Kid. Venture Kid. There you yes. go. Um, a name so strong that it sticks in your brain immediately. It never changes, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, it's basically a Mega Man-inspired pixel shooter. And... Um, if you like those kind of games, you'll enjoy Venture Kid, Kid Venture, Venture Kid. It is pretty tough, but it's short, so it's it's one of these kind of quality over quantity games, and uh, it's worth a look. Also, been playing some uh, American Fugitive, which I won't spoil because obviously you've got your review on the website, and I, a couple, when you when you published that review, I said in our Slack channel that I I didn't agree with your review, ha- having spent more time with the game. I now see exactly what you were talking about. So oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I, thank you very I, much, ladies and gentlemen. I was saying, Good night, everyone. <laughs> um, one of the comments in the review is like how it doesn't feel like Grand Theft Auto, um, like the original Grand Theft Autos. And immediately, it does feel like Grand Theft Auto. It is like a top-down survival game where you play as a criminal, you're driving around you know, doing crimes. Be gay, do crimes. You know, It's one of these... Games that kind of loses its way and starts to become something else the longer you play it. So, yeah, totally in agreement there. And uh, lastly, well, second to lastly, really, I've been playing Bout of Blood, and I won't spoil my review because it's coming out very early next week. Um, but that game is great. And lastly, I've been playing the downloadable content for Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So, oh, yeah. Is this the, um, uh, the underwater? Fate of Atlantis. Yes, Atlantis, sorry, I couldn't think of the yeah. word at all then. Yeah, great. Well, I, I, had, I hadn't finished the Legacy of Blade, the 
Legacy of the Blade DLC. So I decided to go back and finish that off and um, was mildly disappointed with how that ended up. It felt like they had a destination and then decided to design the rest of the plot around getting there. And that was a bit bit poor, really. Um, but the, the Fate of Atlantis, the first part, at least, um, that's out now, is phenomenal. It is like a, they, they really go to town on the whole precursor, um, mysterious aliens prior to mankind venture. And it is very good. It's also a very different game within that DLC because it feels like Uncharted quite a lot of the time because the games, like they, the new map, which is Elysium, which is like part of Hades' realm, um, it's like got lots of columns with towns on top and you have to use these kind of trans these portals to jump around the map but also there's only one path to go up to towns and to like very high places within this map so it feels like and it, it does it does like kind of direct you the way the game's designed direct your eye towards this piece of rubble which goes up to a, a, a wire which goes across to some kind of pole then up to another piece of structure, and it's it's a very well designed piece of DLC. I'm very looking forward to to finishing it up and see what's coming next because the the menu recently changed with the the uh, new patch, which is setting it up for the next piece of DLC, and it immediately kicks off with showing you an an image of Cerberus. So I get to the feeling that that one's going to be action packed and fighting three headed dogs. So yeah. Really busy week, um, but Ooh. still managed to slip in some games. You know what I mean? Slip yeah, them man. in. That um, that How Fate of Atlantis, that Fate of Atlantis trailer was awesome. I haven't jumped into it yet myself, but um, I'm quite tempted to. I haven't. I still haven't finished the main quest line of of Odyssey yet. Can I jump into the DLC without doing that? Do you know? Um, I wouldn't advise it. Okay. Um, in fact, I don't think you can. There's a. Do you know the the Tales of Greece? Um, DLC that they're releasing. I mean, props to Ubisoft for how strongly they have re- supported this game post-release. But there's like Tales of Greece, which is like um, additional missions. And to get to the DLC, you need to have completed one of those, which is like the end game section. So I'm guessing you probably couldn't get to it without having completed the main game. Okay. Um, but I mean, you, I mean, the, the storyline for the main game is one of my favorites of this generation entirely so it's worth a go cool i'll get around to it eventually good man <laughs> eventually yeah paul's right though how do you do it is there is, is there like a second sean that we don't know about um yes i have a, a lab full of clones <laughs> right. when, once 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 dies when one dies i just you know upload the memory to the next one um <laughs> nice i'll be honest with you it's just caffeine and insomnia that's all <laughs> oh, it is i hope we know that's all then Mate, it, you see me. I am the least healthy man in Stoke-on-Trent, possibly the world. And <laughs> it's, it, it, I'm okay with it. I'm, I, I like being a fat man. It means I can eat whatever the hell I want and without, without having to exercise and be bothered about it, which is exactly the, the opposite to you, Paul, I know. It, it's like when you're running and like when you go out for a run in the morning, I'm sat playing Assassin's Creed. You know, <laughs> when, when you're out on dates, me and the wife are sitting down and playing a game together. You know, it's just... Basically, not having a life outside of doing this. <laughs> so, so video game life. Yeah, game up for life. Gamers rise up. Oh God, no! Stop. <laughs> Second life. Stop. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is the life we chose for ourselves. Oh dear. Yeah. Uh, Paul, what have you been playing this week? 
Well, this week I have been playing um, Observation. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell me about Observation. Well, um, the review is in drafts at the moment. It's going to come out next week, hopefully. It's okay. Um, uh, I can't really... I don't even spoil it because of the review, but, um, I mean, it started off really, really good. Uh, I mean, I, I, it sucked me in 100%. Um, and then it kind of, like, you kind of realise... The, the, it's kind of about you've seen everything you've ever going to see in that first section so it kind of it's uh it, it, it's it, there's not a lot to do let's put it that way um but the atmosphere kind of more makes up for it but it's very hard to stay in do you know, do you know like the old the old gamers uh conundrum when they're stuck in a room say like the old tomb raider games for example they walk around the edge of every section of the level pressing a button hoping it would trigger something to get them out of the stuck level they're in. Do you know that kind of thing I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like that. Uh, only, you know, it's just the whole, the whole game is based around that and it's a little bit, oh my God, you know, you want to just scream and, you know, eject the game ASAP. But, um, you know, reviews come out next week. It's all right. It started off really well. I mean, the 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 the, um, the prelude to the main game was, oh, it was fantastic. Um, and then it kind of went downhill, but, you know. Pretty good. It's all right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I get the. Is it? Is it a bit telltale in its in its narrative uh, mechanics, or am I off? Am I off base? Um, yeah, a little bit. It's probably it's probably more like uh, like a point and click adventure. I don't I don't play a lot of telltale games, so I'm not sure. Um, but if you uh, you know going back to that analogy I just made, if you're playing a point and click, you kind of end up clicking around every single part of the screen, hoping something will reveal itself so you can then you know solve a puzzle with it's a, it's a bit like that um yeah. so you know if you like that kind of thing um and, you know it's a very story driven game obviously you know it's, it's it's not one of those walking sims if you like so if you're into that sort of genre um you probably enjoy it but um i think even even then um it's asking a lot for gamers to sort of stay stay with it when there's not very much to do if you, if you like so um it's a funny game because like the, the atmosphere the graphics the story everything is really really good but um it kind of like the gameplay sort of just does all that hard work and you just kind of left with a bit of a bit of a weird enigma of a game really you were so close so close to you actually liking a game there oh no it's, it was so close <laughs> you gotta wait a bit longer now, I'm afraid. Maybe next week. Maybe next, next week, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm still playing um, Days Gone, so that must be quite good if I'm still playing it. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It seems to go on forever. It's quite a good game, you know. It's like um, it's like an open world game where you don't actually feel like lost in like all this kind of side quests. I don't quite know how they've done it. It's quite it's quite interesting. So oh, it's called, cool. it's, called kept, it's kept me hooked. So it's all good. Awesome. Not many games keep you hooked. So it's true. That's good. That's good. Happy days. Come on, Ubisoft. You've got to bring something up for Paul at some yes. point. Watch Dogs <laughs> Three, please. That's all he's. That's all he's waiting for. Is Watch Dogs Three. Yeah. Roscoe, what have you been playing? I have been playing primarily this week Team Sonic Racing. Yes. Oh my lord. Good or bad? Oh my lord. Let me tell you something about Team Sonic Racing. Please do. Team Sonic Racing is the most exactly what it says on the tin game I've ever played in my life. It is a team racing game featuring Sonic and all his friends. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's there the is nothing else. 
<laughs> there is nothing else to this thing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, what it does, it does very well. I had a massive delay. I had like a six-month delay. It was meant to come out in November of last year. And I'd be interested to know what caused that giant delay. So I've never really heard. But yeah, it's fine. It's just, it's a fine kart game. It's not going to bother. I don't think it's going to bother Mario Kart or possibly the upcoming Crash Team Racing. It's a racing game where you play as Sonic and all his buddies. And there's lots of fun team-based mechanics. If you get an item, but you're ahead, so you don't really need it. You can give it to another player on your team. And you can leave them skids for them to boost on. And it's just... Why are we wine? You say you can leave them skids. Yes. Okay. That's not, that's not what they're called, but I can't remember the actual technical term. <laughs> the game. Tracks. Tracks. Yeah. Skids. That, keep that keep the skids. It, it creates a truffle. <laughs> so it's all good. God. My, my kids have been really enjoying Sonic Team Sonic Racing. Yeah, it's fun. Is um, it? Is it? Sorry, Sean. Is it like as good as Sonic All Star Racing Transform? Because I love that. Uh, I would go out on a limb and say that it's not as good as that. Ah, see. Purely for the fact, for because this game is primarily a Sonic game rather than a Sega game, and I think, and I think the uh, the roster of characters in All Stars Racing is vastly superior because there's pick from characters from Sega's library, whereas this is just a straightforward Sonic game. Um, Again, there's nothing particularly wrong with that. It's just I prefer, I probably prefer Transformed because it's. Just bonkers, isn't it? Jumping oh, from um, boats to planes to cars. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So this is a bit more of a back-to-basic sort of thing, but it encourages team play and online gaming and stuff. So it's fine. I don't I don't dislike it at all. There's nothing particularly wrong with it. There's nothing particularly great about it. It's just a, it's a it fine game. Yeah. Is, it, is that a review coming out um, next week, this week, next week? What's that? Is a review coming out? Uh, yeah, but we've given it to Mr. Greg Hicks, who's taken two weeks off. Ugh. So, <laughs> I, I presume it'll be around about soon. Yeah, I'm just giving my impressions. I'm not reviewing the game, like I said, Greg is, so I won't go too deep into it. But you'll see our review on the site That's someday, <laughs> someday in in the future. Uh, Sean, you said you're, uh, the Davies clan are enjoying Team Sonic Racing. Yeah, I think mostly because it is back to basics. And I think... The, the thing with Racing Transformed was that when you transformed and went into things, it could get confusing for my kids where they were supposed to be going. So like when you went up in the air, it was like they just start to drive anywhere because they didn't really know what the hell they were doing. Whereas this one, apart from maybe like two of the later tracks, so like the Ghost House, um, most of the tracks are kind of uh, lined, so you're not going to go driving off the track and things like that. So it means that they can probably get more out of it than... Probably I would. But yeah. to be honest with you, the, the team mechanics, like I can imagine in the right hands that these mechanics would cause some like pretty epic matches. Like I'd, I'd very much like to give you a game, Ross, because um, I imagine you might be might be up there from, like a, a worthy razor. I haven't lost a game yet. Wow. If you want to challenge. Are you playing on the arcade mirror or online? Oh, um, no, I'm playing against the AI. Come on, I'm the whole monster. <laughs> okay. I'm not playing yeah. against other people. Jeez. Well, I'm, I'm going to yeah. throw down the gauntlet. I'm very I'm much gonna, in my lane. <laughs> I'm going to take a glove and slap you across the face and say, Sir, I demand a match of Sonic Team Sonic Racing from you in the next week. I'd be well up for that. I need to update my PS Plus because it's run out. And right. uh, also make sure you stream it. 
to our neglected Twitch channel. Yeah, or twitch.tv forward slash speaking gun stop net. That's it. Yeah. It's not that neglected. I I try to stream at least once a week. Yeah, I I streamed me and the kids playing Team Sonic Racing earlier this week. It was utterly disastrous. So um, if you fancy watching my kids screaming fart, fart, poo, poo, poo at the the TV while playing Team Sonic Racing, that's online for you. (laughs) All the content, you guys, all the content. (laughs) That's the level where we're at here at Finger Guns. That's about as. uh... It's about as highbrow as it gets. <laughs> it certainly is. Well, have you been playing anything else, Ross? I haven't really, no. No, I've been very Team Sonic Racing focused this week. Um, I finished off American Fugitive um, just before the review came out. And uh, yeah, you can see my full review up on the site right now. But it's, uh, yeah, it's okay. It was. It, I think it, it has disappointed me a bit. I was really hoping for for it to kind of blow me away. But it's, uh, no, I hasn't reached up my expectations. But... It's a good game. It's not great. It's a good game. It's a good game. It's fun. It's fun. That's about it, really. It's been a bit of a quiet week for, for all the releases. So. And uh, yeah, played a bit more Plague Tale, but uh, I've said enough about Plague Tale. Go read my review. It's like two and a half thousand words. There's plenty of it there. Whoa. I know. <laughs> I got very chatty in that review. It's one of the best ones as well. I've read a lot of reviews for that game because honestly, I really didn't know what to think. And decided to have a. I don't really read reviews because I don't like to have my own opinion coloured by other people's opinions, especially being a critic. So I thought I'd read yours and then go and read some other people's. And I really enjoyed your review, just so you know. Thanks, man. Oh. Ah. Oh. A lot of love today. A lot of love. I like it. Uh, uh, Hugs. How... Oh, shucks. <laughs> see how much nicer things are when Greg's in here. Exactly. I think he's a, he's a bad influence on in all of us. Yeah. We can say whatever we want. He's never going to listen to this. No. So we can just say whatever we want. Because <laughs> he's that kind of a team player. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, right, it is time for the almighty Finger Guns Trivia Challenge. So I shall hand it over to Mr. Sean Davies. Hi. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, excuse me, hold on. Can we have the intro, please? Uh, this is where I'm coming from, okay? This, I've got to be honest. I have got a sore throat. So if either of you want to sing it and save me having to, that would be um, great. Well, I'm out. Like dragons would say, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Roscoe, you can sing and you've got a guitar. Get on with it. Okay. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> Hunky Dory, available now on all digital streaming platforms. Um, <laughs> Have you rehearsed that by any chance? No. <laughs> Maybe. Make way for the Finger Guns Trivia Challenge. Stand by for the Finger Guns Trivia Challenge. Wow. We've got a budget, everyone. We've got a budget. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I am I'm never very, doing mine again. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm seeing Aladdin this week. I'm very excited about it. So all the songs are stuck in my head right now. I all this time that I've been singing like I have been, and I wrapped that one week and made a real tit of myself. And you've been you've been sitting on this absolute gold mine. I tell you what, <laughs> it's all just a ploy, you see, Sean. It's all just a ploy. It is okay. Let let let's let's do a quiz. Um, and this week the quiz is all focused on the almighty E3. All of these questions are about E3, its history, what happens there, what doesn't happen there, like sex, and um, the. 
Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> and um, well, there are 12 questions, and I am going to begin now. Do you guys have a pen and paper or post-it note or stuff? Yeah? Yeah, I mean, this would, be, uh, this would have been a good one to do next week, because that's the one podcast that comes up before E3. It does, yeah. But crack um, on. No, no, I don't, no. The thing is, like next week, yeah, I'm gonna have like a, something else. So, well, yeah, we'll talk about that. Okay. So, just if you haven't played this quiz before, I'm gonna read the questions now. Towards the end of the podcast, we will give you the answers, and then you just tell us what score you got. And let's begin. So, question one: What does E3 stand for? Nice, easy one. Ooh, I, can hear, I can hear Roscoe typing into Google. I'm typing, in, I'm typing the answer into my laptop, actually, Paul Collins. Liar. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, let question me just, one. Uh, let me just mute my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> the question one, what does E3 stand for? I thought that was an easy one. Yes, right. You were correct. Okay. Question two. In which US city was the first ever E3 held back in 1995? Are you just, you're just jumping from, like, uh, kid mode to murder mode? No. I thought that was an easy one, too. I know where it has been for years, but I... Hmm. <laughs> okay. Is, um, um, I'm going to take a punk. I think it's a trick question. Ah, and what if it's been in the same place every single year? Exactly. I can tell you Ooh. now, it has not been in the same place every single year. It has been in four places total, I believe. What about How do you know this crap? Because um, he does research during the week and like, learns about things when we just jump <laughs> on and pretend to know as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, question three. In which year did E3 first allow the general public to buy tickets to attend the show? What? It's not okay. as difficult as you may think, Paul. It was very, <laughs> it was very recent. It's been, a, it's very much been a, a trade show for many, 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 many years. I'm just trying to help out, Paul Sean. Sorry. No, to, no, you know, absolutely. Don't mean to overrule. I'm just no, trying no. To help. no, seriously, they, like the blind leading the lines. That's fine. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, back on mute, I go. <laughs> so, question three was In which year did E3 first allow the general public to buy tickets to attend the show? Okay. Question four At the 1995 E3 show, Sony's president, Steve Race, went on stage to present a three second long speech. What did he say? Tumbleweed. Could you uh, repeat the question, please? I absolutely can. At the 1995 E3 show, Sony's president, Steve Race, went on stage to, stage to present a three-second-long speech. What did he say? Sorry, I, I fell asleep. Not fell asleep, but I just sort of zoned out. Who, who, who said this? What and when? What? <laughs> <laughs> Was it the Sony guy, did you say? Oh, let me... I'm right. <laughs> At the 1995 E3 show, 
Sony's president, Steve Race, went on stage to present a three-second-long <laughs> speech. What did he say? <laughs> Thank you very much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so I was writing down the notes, uh, and as I was writing down, I was focused on that, not what you're saying. I kind of lost it. I do apologise. Fair enough. Okay. Sure you don't want that question again? No, I'm positive. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> question five. Which console manufacturer will not attend E3 this year for the first time ever in the event's history? Question five. Which console manufacturer will not attend E3 this year for the first time in the event's history? It's very upsetting. Agreed. I'm still not quite over it, to be honest. It's a, it's a staple of my year, this thing. And it's, uh, it's, it's been taken from me. Yeah, we need to talk about this maybe later. <laughs> or next week when it's E3 time. Yeah. Next week's podcast is going to be very cool. I have a lot of cool plans, which I will talk about in Slack at some point this week. Excellent. And I should look forward to everyone's one-word answers full of enthusiasm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Such is my life. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm really excited about this thing. Why don't we go? I know, we can do this and do that. Okay. <laughs> okay, question six. <laughs> question six. Um, in which year did the publisher Bethesda first hold their own E3 keynote presentation? No. It's not beep beep. Oh. There's my astro droid. He's trying to help me out. Did you, did you just buzz in, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> so, question six. In which year did the publisher Bethesda first hold their own E3 keynote presentation? Uh, question seven. At which E3 show was the Forever in Development, The Last Guardian, first unveiled by Sony? Oh, my God. Gee. Got to be uh... Yep. <laughs> I'm just gonna make a date up. It could be anyone, you know. At which E3 show was the Forever and Development of the Last Guardian first unveiled by Sony? So question eight. In nineteen ninety-six, the E3 organizers arranged an official E3 showing outside of the US. In which country was it held? These are all punts. Punts. I said punts. They are punts. Do you know what? I'll give you a clue. No. Oh, wow. Ah, he's so close. Yeah, I will. It was held in a country which currently has a very very high-profile gaming event held every year. Ooh. Alright. Oh, okay. So I've kind of knocked it down to like a one in three chance for you. Okay. Taking a punt. Okay. Um, question nine. Which video game publisher has previously held their unofficial E3 showcase in a car park of a Hooters restaurant next door to the LA Convention Center? You what, mate? <laughs> okay. Question nine, which video game publisher has previously held their unofficial E3 showcase in the car park of a Hooters restaurant 
next door to the LA Convention Center. Oh, I don't know. Maybe for the last time ever last year. Got an answer? Well, make one up. Okay. That counts. It does. Uh, no. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of one that it probably could be, but I can't remember it being in a car park. I can only remember it being pre-recorded, but on stage. You probably know which one I mean. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, question 10. Which publisher is associated with both the infamous Mr. Caffeine and Girlwood E3 conferences? Oh, God. This industry. Yeah. <laughs> like 99% cringe and 1% good announcements. Um, so that's question 10. Which publisher is associated with both the infamous Mr. Caffeine and Girlwood E3 conferences? Okay. Question 11. In 2009, EA staged a fake religious protest outside the E3 conference to advise, to advertise one of their upcoming games. Which game was it for? Oh, well, it's got to be um, that video game. Absolutely. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> In 2009, EA staged a fake religious protest outside the E3 conference to advertise one of their upcoming games. Which game was it for? No idea. Wait, 2009? 2009. Oh, wait, oh. I know. Right. Oh, I know. It's I know. What's it called? I oh, know. It's, it's... <laughs> it's not what I thought it was then. Um... It might be that one. I'm going to go for it because I think it's a good, good shout. Because very, very recently they released a video game that was very highly religious in tone, but now I, it's not that, evidently. If this is right, if I got this right, I think I deserve to win no matter what happens. Please. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be very impressed if you get that right. Um, so, last question, question 12. The actor Jack Black will be in attendance at E3 2019 to sit on a panel to advertise which game? So that's Jack Black will be in attendance at E3 2019 to sit on a panel to advertise which game. Okay. I'm very sad it's not Brutal Legend 2. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, me too. All but right, it is a that sequel, was... though, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's a sequel, isn't it? What's it called? Uh, something, something 2. Yes. That's it. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe, I don't know. Who knows? Sean might be screwing us over completely. That was not easy. No, I think all those were like, trick, trick questions, to be fair. Okay. I apologise for the difficulty of this week's quiz. <laughs> that was the toughest one so far. See, the, the, this is the thing, though, right? I get to the end of it, it's like, oh, I've asked you ten questions, and then Ross gets eight out of ten, and everyone's like, it's too hard. Ross got eight out of ten. Like, oh, is that too hard? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that I've got to try and make it difficult so that we can at least get some like balance going. That was hard. No, no, no jokes. Fair enough. Okay, I will make it easier again next week. Please do just for me because I'm a bit. You know. Will do. Well, cool. Thank you, Sean. That was uh, that was mind melting. But I, th I think <laughs> I've done 
okay-ish, maybe? We'll see. Well, that was the quiz. Do let us know how you got on, and the answers will be revealed at the end of the podcast. Right, we're going to move into some news, and the biggest news of the week, for some fucking reason, was Playdate! Panic, who made their name through the high-end Mac software, but more recently, the company that moved into gaming publishing, such as Firewatch, which is a game that we all love here at Finger Guns, and the upcoming Untitled Goose Game, which I'm very excited about. The developer is now expanding its work into hardware and revealed Playdate, a tiny yellow Game Boy-like device with a black and white screen, a few chunky buttons, and a hand crank for controlling quirky indie games made by Zach Cage and the like, Kita Takahashi, example as well. Um, the device is very, very small. Uh, I think it weighs in at about 74 by 76 by 9 millimeters. I mean, this thing is super tiny. It looks like a stretched out iPad Nano. And it's got a black and white screen with no backlight, two face buttons and a D-pad and a hand crank, which is used to control certain games. When I first saw this, I'm not going to lie, I thought the hand crank was to charge it. Same. I, don't, I don't think I was the only one. <laughs> because I thought, that's a really cool idea. That's just a properly a proper uh, handheld device. You can just take anywhere, but that's not what it is. You can actually control it with that thing. So, good Lord. Sean, tell me about Playdate. Do you I'm want this thing? Can you think of any games that you'd like to play on something like this? I am, I am super excited for this little thing. I, of course you are. I, I, I know. It's like the, the, the... It's weird because like I don't normally do these little peripherally console things. Um, but they have organized this reveal very well. It's designed by Teenage Engineers, um, which are a great company. And the games are all developed by pretty awesome um, developers who have, have done some brilliant games in the past. And the price, when I looked at the price, it's it's coming out at $150 in America. So I'm kind of guessing between like 120 and 150 million pounds in this country post-Brexit. So... Um, <laughs> it's not, like, nicely slided that one in there, didn't you? That's what she so, said. Mm. Hey! hey! <laughs> Don't, don't cut that out. That's funny. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking it's probably going to cost around like 120, 130 quid. And there's 12 games included with it. So I worked out that like, okay, it's going to cost about a 10 or a game. And the console comes free. Which is about what I'm paying for any games now anyway. So I looked at it and I thought, okay, the crank is odd, but could inspire some pretty interesting design decisions. The black and white screen, you're going to have to have a pretty bold art style to make anything of that screen. And the developers are all pretty cool niche game developers. So I kind of saw it and thought, you know what? It's it's 12 weeks worth of games. And I think I'd probably enjoy some of them, at least not all of them, maybe. But it seems like a really nice curio to hold and to have. So I, I really want one now. I didn't at first. I thought, this is naff. But really came around on it, having looked at you know the price and how, how many games actually come with it and the fact that it doesn't seem like that, that that's going to be it. It seems like there's going to be more games after that. 
they've got more surprises to unveil closer to release. So I'm I'm quietly excited and I'm hoping I can get one for Christmas maybe. In that like twelve is it twelve games I think in, in like the first season or something? Yeah, it's it, it, there's one every week and they are already preloaded to the console. So there's no internet connection required, just unlocks on a specific day. So the games are already on it, but I can't play them. Yeah. I believe that's the situation, yes. <laughs> they, they, I mean, what they, a ridiculous situation to be in. Well, well the, the, way that they've, the way that they've pitched it is that they want it to be kind of like a group discovery so that every, every time there's a new game day, everybody who's got one of these things will, will go on and get one and you know, then have like a, a shared experience of talking about the new game. Kind of like you know they do with lots of other consoles when a game comes out and everyone gets excited about it, etc. And right, I mean, I'm looking at the um, the features and there, there's Bluetooth, and there's a headphone jack, and there's USB C, and there's Wi-Fi. And so, I mean, what does the what does the Wi-Fi do? Can you play these games together? I honestly have no clue, and yeah. I think that's what they want to reveal later on. I know that I, I don't think that the season one of games is it. I think there is plans for obviously season two, and the, the weird thing is, there's been quite a few big developers getting in touch. So, like Ubisoft, were talking about that there was a, a really cute conversation between Playdate and Ubisoft about putting an Assassin's Creed game on this in black and white with a hand crank. And you know, it, the weird things have happened. You know, the, there's a possibility that this, if this sells like. 300,000 copies. Who's to say that Assassin's Creed doesn't come to play dates, which would be the most bizarre thing. But the, the games should be really easy to make. I mean, they're not easy to make. They're in a weird code base, to be honest. But um, they they should be reasonably easy to, to, to create based compared to like 3D games. And they're only in black and white. So you know, there's a possibility that there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of innovation that could come from this thing. Something like Downwell. Yeah. That would be kind of interesting. On a crank. Use the hand crank to go up and down the screen. Yeah, or to control the speed, which will be... Hmm. Or a fishing game. <laughs> yeah, or a well game, where you've got to keep dropping a bucket into a well. And... Yeah. <laughs> Ubisoft could uh, take the fishing from Far Cry and make it into a little 2D yeah. cranky game. I like it. Oh, okay. I'm still not sure about it. I mean, I don't know. It's um. Wait, quick more, and you got an Xbox One. You know. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Really. Go on, Paul. Tell well, him. Tell him. Tell Sean. Smash <laughs> on his dreams. Do it. That's what I'm here for. Well, don't get me wrong. Okay, so so like the original Game Boy was great. Uh, we couldn't see a damn thing with that on the screen. Um, it, you know, it had, it had its thing. I don't know if you guys remember the Game Boy Micro. You guys remember that? It was literally the size of an iPod Nano. A little, like, uh, D-pad, two little buttons. Yeah. yeah, and two little shoulder buttons. Now, that didn't do very well. I don't know why, because I think the damn thing was just pure genius. That didn't sell very well. And that was, like, a, basically a SNES, the size of an iPod Nano. And I think that, that if that can't make it, then this has got no chance. I, I can't see a market for it, because any games you want to... You wanna, uh, you can play, might as well play on your mobile because you, you carry your mobile around everywhere. It's like it's like kind of going back. Remember the time when you used to have no Nokia phones and then you used to have, a, have to carry a camera around separately to take your photos? So you had a pocket full of junk 
Um, but then suddenly, wow, you've got a camera on a phone. Excellent. So I can only take one bit of junk around. But now you've got to take two bits of junk around if you buy one of these things because it, it, it's games, but yet your phone already plays games. It's just, I can't understand why they've done it. Um, the crank is just going to be uh, a niche thing like the, uh, the PS4 touchpad. It got used once and never again. Um, it's going to be the same as that, kind of the back touchpad of the PlayStation Vita, which got used once but never used again. It's like, you know, I'm all for innovation, but, you know, it's going to get used once. It's like the Move controllers, you know, they had one book, come, one game come out for that, and then it got, got made redundant until the PSVR came out. So unless that's going to be like a, a separate controller for Watch Dogs 3, I'm out. Wow. Well, there, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Comprehensive on the play date. We're very torn here at Finger Guns on this thing, it would seem. <laughs> But that's the interesting thing, is a lot of gamers say that they want new experiences and new innovations, and I guess PSVR has been the most successful, or VR in general has been the most successful of that. But then you say things like the touchpad on the, the Vita or the touchpad on the PS4 controller, and how they're not really utilised, or even things like Kinect, you know, they're not utilised, really. People don't actually like them, they just want to sit in a room with a controller on the TV and just play games. And so, I don't know, there's something interesting about this, I think, if it's at EGX this year, I might give it a whirl and uh, see what it's all about. But 140 quid seems like a lot at the present moment. For so if I'm thinking, you can, get, you can pick up um, an Android phone, uh, a decent one as well, like the Moto G or the Moto E or something like that, for about 120 quid, so probably less money than that thing. And you'd probably be able to play better games on it. I'm, yeah, I'm, maybe. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I can't. I can't see where, quite see where the market is for it. Do you does, know what I mean? Does, not... does that does that phone have a crank? No, it doesn't. But... <laughs> does it have a black and white screen? Uh, we can do. Um, I, the thing is, like, the, only, has, the only crank it has the option. <laughs> the only crank that needs to happen in this day and age is crank through the film, which was fucking quality. We need another. We need another crank film. That's what we need. On the surface, it might be tempting to compare the screen to, say, the Game Boy, but Playdate's display is quite different. It has no grid lines, no blurring, is extremely sharp and clear, and has a much higher resolution. It sounds odd to say, but it's truly a premium black and white screen. So I guess we can't really go on about it until we see it in action. You think it's one of those things? I, I just honestly think that it's targeted at people that want quirky, weird shit. Basically, it's laser-targeted at me. So, that's, it's, you know, give give me something something like you know a, a bird dating sim where I talk through a sword and I am there and you know and <laughs> this this is the kind of thing that I imagine was going to be on there and you know for ten pound a game basically I'm paying ten pound for twelve games so that's that's kind of where I'm at with it and the the screen obviously you know a premium black and white screen. I could have done with the fucking crystalline CDU black screen from a 1980s bodged console, but it, it wouldn't matter as long as the games were good. So, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna get one. I'm probably gonna get one. Oh damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's due in early 2020, according to this article. So you ain't gonna get one for Christmas. So you're gonna have to wait. You might have to wait till Christmas 2020. Ah. Oh. Birthdays in March. That'll do. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm not sure about it yet. I want to. I want to hold one and check out the crank for myself, and then I can, you know, crank that all on the floor. Crank that. Give me some more. 
Crank what a that. Ra- what a rainbow. So you just saw. Oh, 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 here you come. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Acon! Remember Acon? Well, the BBC Acon. They won't let me out. No, they won't let me out. Locked up. Okay. I, I was trying to keep this on point, but yeah. everyone just I didn't get my joke. That's just shocking. Sorry, man. I was in the <laughs> zone. Unbelievable. I was in the zone whilst you were waiting for me to finish. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, let's move on to PlayStation 5, which is a console I think we can all get behind. Um, there was a, a little uh, little more tidbit of information that's slowly dripping out about this thing. Something that is quite interesting that did come out this week is that Sony has revealed that PS5's backwards compatibility will be incredibly powerful, allowing PS5 and PS4 players to play together online, presumably over those cross-generational games. Uh, over at TechRadar, they're reporting during a recent corporate strategy meeting, Sony explains how the PS5's backwards compatibility feature will work, in particular when it comes to multiplayer games. Backwards compatibility in the networked era becomes something that is incredibly powerful. Sony CEO Jim Ryan explained, because the gaming community is somewhat tribal in its nature, backwards compatibility gives us the opportunity to migrate to that community from PS4 to next gen using the ability to play the PS4 games they have on their next generation console groups of 10, 20, or 50 gamers. Now, this is something I want to talk to you about. If you're jumping from PS5, from the PS4, I think I've trumpeted the idea of backwards compatibility a lot to PS5 because I have a massive PS4 library and I don't want them to go any, anywhere anytime soon. But I also need to fund the PS5. So, you know, being able to access my games on PS5 will be super handy. But backwards compatibility online multiplayer... Should be quite interesting. Paul, what do you think? I don't know, really. It's a funny one because I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I, mean, I guess there's going to be some kind of uh, um, sort of streaming element involved. I can't imagine you putting your PS4 disc in a PS5 and everything's going to work hunky dory. Uh, I don't know. It's um... available now on all digital platforms. Say what? You said hunky dory, and I was just plugging. Sorry, carry on. Uh... <laughs> nice, yeah. nice, nice. Um, uh, I got to get yeah. it out there, man. I got to get it out there. No, I understand. I did buy it. It's very nice. It's very good. I like it. So uh, everyone should buy it. Um, I don't really know what to think about this PS5 thing. I just, um, I mean, online online gaming's never really been a massive thing for me. I'm not. I'm, I'm more of a uh, lone lone. I was gonna say lone shark then. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't put it past you, would we? Come on, let's uh, well, if I had the money, it might be quite helpful. Um, no, I'm, I'm a lone game, I like to I like to just sit and play a game, not have to worry about it online. Sometimes it's fun to have that opportunity, but I'm not going to like base buying something on you know on this online capabilities, so I don't really know what to think about it really. Um, I mean, it's, it's point is that, say, like just for an example, Paul and I pick up a PS5 on launch day. Katie's refusing Sean to get one until Christmas. That will absolutely and... happen. <laughs> <laughs> and so we go, oh, no, we want to play Watch Dogs 3 with Sean, but we can't. And they would be like, don't worry, guys, I can put in the PS4 version and we can play it together. Hooray! I'm assuming that's what this is, right? Yes. Okay. Well, you know, that. I mean, you know, it can't, it can't argue. If that's how it is, then probably the best thing Sony's ever done, to be fair, but whether it'll work, because obviously, the, you know, I'm, I'm guessing the PS5 is going to be, have better stuff in it to make things better, to put it very 
Is that the technical terms? Yes. Right. Um, so would, would, it, would the PS5 gamer not have an advantage in some way? I don't know. Would they would they dumb down the PS5 to make the PS4 equal? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really don't think about that. To be fair. I mean, I think I think that's what the next generation of online of like cross generation gaming probably is going to be. Is if you have a PS5, yes, you're going to see obviously a better visual fidelity. Wouldn't wouldn't Poss- the possibly um... the frames is the issue? I think. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't like the the up up the you know, the upgraded specs of the PS5 mean that um, I don't yeah, like you say, frame rate. I guess I, certain things would probably run smooth on the PS5 over the full the PS4. Well, yeah, you would imagine, but yeah. I guess it's going to be. I imagine you know we're looking at things like Call of Duty will be probably cross generation, whichever one comes out around the time these consoles appear, like the 2020 Call of Duty, I'd imagine. And so you were able to play that on PS4 and PS5. PS5 will probably get, obviously, better visuals and a better frame rate. But will that, you know, lessen the experience of the PS4 player? I think that's that's what we need to discuss, I think. Sean, what do you think? Um, it's the, a very smart move by Sony um, because basically they are um, creating a walled garden for their existing, you know, 100 million consoles sold. And it's, it's a, a smart move to keep people playing in that ecosystem but it's also a smart move that um is going to keep people spending which is one of the one of the weird things about consoles generations is that when you come towards the end despite the fact that the games are normally the best quality at that point people don't buy them because they are normally either saving up for a next-gen console which isn't always backwards compatible or um they are buying games on a new console so you see games that come out towards the end of a generation and they normally suffer. Um, I don't know if you remember the PS3 days when we had like um, games like Sleeping Dogs and F1 All-Stars and a load of these games that came out that were actually reasonably good quality. Some of them were excellent, in fact, and they bombed hard because basically everyone thought there was a new console on the, on the horizon. Basically, that by, by saying very early on, keep buying your PS4 games because... Even if you get them on the PS5, you'll still be able to play them. Same network, same solution. And basically, they're gonna, what they're trying to do is make this transition from PS4 to PS5, or whatever they're going to call it, as seamless as physically possible. So basically, people just go, it's an upgrade like my phone. And that's a really, really smart uh, strategy. All eyes on Xbox now, really, to see what they do to try and break people out of this ecosystem. Because they've got to come hard now. They're going to come hard and fast and very noisy. And Yikes. <laughs> that's what you said. That's what I was about. Get it down before you do. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, Microsoft have got, to, have got to really come at Sony now because they, they have got the majority of the market share in consoles and you know they, they are in, intent on keeping them by making it very easy to transition over. Whether there will be an advantage or not is an interesting point um, because it's we don't know what the, cons- the the console will look like. We don't know what the controller will look like. So if the PS5 controller is new, doesn't look like the DualShock 4, people might be better at that than the PS4. And obviously you've got frame rates, which and, and probably draw distance. Mm. So one of, one of the amazing things that came out recently was that demo of the Spider-Man City, which I'm not sure if... Have you guys seen that demo? Yeah, I was going to just drop that in, actually. What, what you were done, so, um, I've just dropped it into the chat, actually. It's just oh, a quick okay. YouTube video. 
which is showcasing essentially Spider-Man running on a PS5. Um, in, it, I mean, it is it may or may not be Spider-Man, but it's a tech demo that's moving very quickly through a city. Yeah, I find it kind of strange that they're plugging it so early, but I guess they need to. It's it's to make sure that they control their own message. I think that's that's the kind of message: the fact that they they are going out and saying to everybody, "This is what it can do." Because I'll be honest with you, how many times have we gone through this? I mean, just us three as a website, yeah, and you know now with Greg, how many times have we done this? And and got to a the, the start of a generation, and it be the fucking worst messaging. How many times have we seen this console will do this, 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 and this, and then everyone go, the console doesn't do that. That wasn't in the announcement, and it was all bullshit that people believed. You know how many fake leaks have we seen? So Sony are basically just going to control their own message right up until they decide that they are going to announce. And it's a really kind of smart PR move just to stop everyone talking crap they're actually giving the press something to talk about rather than letting the press make up fake leaks on on paste bin you know it's it's a, a really interesting and quite genius take really because if you look at the other side now you've got microsoft doing exactly the same with a very open development process for the x cloud service so you know it's basically giving people knowledge enough to know what's coming without spoiling the fun of having a big console announcement. And I, I really like that idea. Still getting the surprise without all the bullshit. Yeah. When do you think we're going to see a full uh, reveal of the PS5? Um, I, I think they're just going to let Microsoft announce first and then decide when then. I don't, I, I don't think they probably ironed out plans about when to announce yet. I think they probably... I get the feeling that they, they, because of the market share that they currently hold and the services that Microsoft are offering, not really gunning towards people owning a console anymore. So, for example, a lot of their stuff is coming to PC and stuff. And yes, they are releasing a new console, but that isn't their primary focus. And it, I, it's it's a big turnaround from last time where, you know, Sony were playing mind games. You've got Kaz in there, Kaz Harai in there, in the press thing. We want Microsoft to announce first and then the very next day sending out invites to the New York event to announce the PS4, which was like, fuck, it's great. You know, it's different this time around. It's a baller move. I'll never forget that 2013 conference. I'll never forget <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Will we ever see Deep Down? Can you remember Deep Down? <laughs> Deep Down, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. What, a, what uh, a game. What a demo that was. Like, I was blown away by a demo. I'm buying a PS4 for this dungeon crawl that's free to play and it fucking completely disappears off the face of the earth. Was that a Capcom? Was that a Capcom? It was, yeah. Yeah. I think it's so deep down now, it's been buried. Oh, Oh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Happy days. I have just seen that video you posted, uh, Roscoe. It does look very precious for the old uh, speed. Yes. If if you're listening to this and you you, want to. Look at that video. Uh, it's on Twitter. One of the journalists from, I think it was the Time, was it? Time magazine. Uh, uh, yeah. They they tweeted it out. Um, it, it's it's an impressive video. Um, they they show reduction in save times, basically save, saving like seven seconds for a save, taking it down from eight seconds to 0.8 seconds. Um, but one of the most impressive things <clears throat> is they they increased. So it is it's a a demo built on the um, New York model from Insomniac Spider-Man. 
and they move move through the city at a pace that the PS4 Pro can deal with. And that's basically what they say is speed through the city is limited because if we go any faster than this, the city has failed to load. So you end up going further than the game has loaded the city around you. You start to see textures pop in and things like that. The the comparison video moves blisteringly fast through the city and everything is loaded as you get there. It's like something like six times as fast as some. I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head what they said. Um, but it's crazy. But one of the most amazing things about that is is how how that is going to change game development, completely going to change date game development, um, because that that loading speed. If you if you think about uh, No Man's Sky, yeah, No Man's Sky was pretty great. You go to a planet, you you drive upwards, you go through the clouds. You'd have that weird transition section where. It looked like you were going through clouds. You looked like you're going leaving the atmosphere, but actually it was a loading screen. Yes. And then you had the you know the the hyper jump of going to another planet and going through that those stars. Those things will become less and less prevalent into games. And you think about Spider-Man, for example. Do you know the the smokes and mirrors that developers use to be able to basically slow down player progress to allow a game to load an open world seamlessly? They'll just go. They'll just disappear. You know, this it's, it's going to be so fascinating to see how this changes games development because you're not going to have to put roadblocks in front of players. It's going to be great. Some more uh, uh, less technically minded of us, uh, the load speed was uh, pretty incredible as well, wasn't it? Was it seven seconds to load the the, the world up? But on the PS5 thing, it's like 0.8 seconds. So that was pretty cool just to load the game up. So that's going to save a few seconds. And, and then it started, of course, oh, Spider-Man's going to be remastered on PS5 and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, yeah, I'll be down for that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think that was merely a tech demo. I get the feeling that the, the resolution is going to upscale anyway, the same as it does on PS4 Pro. So, mm-hmm. um, like, if you've, if you've got a disc, you just upscale to 4K. They really haven't talked about how the process of getting a game so obviously you can put a PS4 game into a PlayStation 5 or whatever they're going to call it, and it will play that game. Wondering what the, the smoke and mirrors and the, the technical background is, I'm going to ask about that. Remind me on in the week, I'm going to ask some folk. Some folk. Speak to some sources. Why don't, you, why don't you remind yourself right now in the podcast? Yeah, that's a good idea. Sean, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, yeah, make sure um, that you ask people about the transition from PS4 to PS5 and what kind of coding they put in the, the box. Thanks, Sean. You're the greatest. Wow, this is like an this is like a Bill and Ted moment. It's like when they have to sort of do, uh, release those those uh, famous people from the prison cells and they have to go back in time, get the keys to remind themselves to drop the keys back off again. It's just like that. Exactly that. Yeah. Also, the the lottery <laughs> numbers for next week are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was trying to have a conversation with a friend of mine about the time travel in um, Endgame. And we got confused in the end and just played FIFA. <laughs> so it's kind of just moved away. I still don't quite understand the time travel in Endgame. I'm going to stick with the old Back to the Future method because it's so much easier. Well, as we know from Endgame, the Back to the Future way is bullshit. No, hell no. <laughs> so our past in Endgame, our, the past becomes our present. And our future becomes our past. Yes. Yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs>
All right. Anyway, let's move on. Moving on to, we're sticking with PlayStation, but now PlayStation are making movies and TV shows under the guise of PlayStation Productions, which seems to be, they seem to be moving into some kind of Marvel model where they're making games mm. specifically on IP that they have. So the first one I think was announced was a Twisted Metal TV series. <laughs> which is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little petrified about this because I'm worried that it's going to go into a direction that I've always been a bit fearful of in terms of PlayStation IP. But um, is there any games or any IP from Sony that you'd like to see transformed into a, a movie or TV series? God of War, The Last of Us, Uncharted. Um, yeah, that'd be quite cool. Those are the three games that they should not be touching. And that's exactly why I'm terrified about this. Uh, no, I'm not saying they should. I'm saying they're the ones that, I don't know, would be cool, but I don't think they should. I think uh, all they need to do, basically, is invest the money they're using to, for PlayStation films and invest it in a Warhawk 2 game. And then that will make everyone happy. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> in the world's happy. Exactly. Warhawk 2 is and then, coming. And then, you know, Warhawk. and then, yeah. So screw PlayStation films, because PlayStation TV didn't really work, did it? I know it's not quite the same thing, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> completely different thing. I know, you know what I mean, didn't you? you know I mean, it's like, if when these people try and try and meddle in things that don't concern them, it all goes tits up, doesn't it? So, even though Sony have their own movie studio, yeah, I know, but you know, what I mean, it's not like PlayStation. <laughs> oh, sorry. I know what you mean. So, what what PlayStation seems to be wanting to build some kind of like PlayStation cinematic universe so like 23 movies down the line we're going to see you know playstation all-stars infinity war and they'll all come together and for a massive sort of crescendo where joel and ellie will join up with nathan drake and kratos and take on a villain from a playstation game that i can't think of so uh, who's the bad guy in crash bandicoot which one cortex yeah that one yeah yeah, Cortex. Cortex is going through all the games, collecting uh, endless gems. And if he collects all the endless gems, then he'll he'll wipe out like fifty percent of all video game characters. Let's not forget, um, of course, Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which is just vile in every way, shape, and form. Well, I was going to mention that a little bit later, but yeah, the Sonic movie has been officially delayed now until the fourteenth of February next year. Um, to give uh, uh, the creators, I think, is an extra four months to work on Sonic's shiny new look, which was uploaded to uh, the director's Twitter this week with an interesting image, which featured Sonic with gloves on, which is a step in the right direction. Well, that's something, I suppose, but I think if you just cancel the whole thing, full stop, really. It, it... Uh, it's, it's a bit too late for that. Well, it would I, did seem... warn, I, I did warn them. You don't have to watch it, yeah. <laughs> Did you say I did warn them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told Paramount this ages ago. They didn't listen. Paramount do my editing. They seem to have a, a really like uh, amazing method of destroying everything that everyone holds dear in their heart. Also, they <laughs> fucked up Transformers, didn't they? Don't get me started on that shit. <laughs> and they've ruined Sonic the Hedgehog. They've ruined G.I. Joe. Yeah, what's next? <laughs> Oh, 
God. Oh, poor Paramount. They just want to make movies. Yeah, but they make them very badly. Apart from Bumblebee, watch that again last night. That was very good. Yeah. Good old Bumblebee saving us all from yeah. Paramount's, Paramount's evident mediocrity. <laughs> well, am I right or am I wrong? No, no, you're, you're never wrong. Mate. Thank you're you. never, ever wrong. And that's why we love you. Uh, <laughs> Sean, PlayStation Productions, what do you think? You just have to give me a second. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, Paul? For a company, you are so eloquent the way oh. that you tear things apart. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. I don't know. I, I find myself on mute because I've just been howling. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, what are we talking about? I don't know. I think we got uh, a tangent there, haven't we? Uh, uh, PlayStation Productions. Right, okay. Um, yeah, it, interesting. Um, I'm just hoping I'm much more on your page Roscoe I, I hope they don't touch any of the classics I'd like to see them do things like Siphon Filter and Heavenly Sword um, maybe like a Sly Raccoon cartoon or something just stuff they don't use anymore um, like Warhawk yes. yeah like Warhawk yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gee please you know the... yeah <laughs> I got it in this time Roscoe <laughs> um so yeah interesting (laughs) (laughs) the thing is I really want I really want to talk about Transformers but I know this podcast will last like three hours so I'm not going to Oh, oh, thank, thanks, man. I don't think I can cope with that either. Well, one day, one day, one day. Uh, the listeners will have to listen to you. <laughs> when the next Transformers movie gets announced, we'll go into the history of the Transformers films yeah. from the perspective of Paul Collett. Yeah. <laughs> it is something to behold, believe me. Um, okay, I'm going to try and get this back on topic. PlayStation Productions. This is cool. My issue with it is I'm terrified this means that the kind of long gestating Uncharted and Last of Us movies are going to finally be made, which worries me because my biggest issue, and it's always been my biggest issue with video game movies, and it always will be because they keep getting it fucking wrong, is that they keep picking the wrong video games to adapt. They pick the popular narrative-based ones like, uh, like Tomb Raider and... You know, Tomb Raider and other ones. <laughs> and Mario Bros, yeah. Yeah. And, and Sonic. Yeah, those those really heavy narrative games, yeah. Mortal yeah. Kombat? Oh, my God, their story. Yeah. Well, there, was like, there was talk. There was, Neil Druckmann had had kind of like signed off on a script for The Last of Us. Um, thankfully, it sort of never saw the light of day, much like the Uncharted movie. But my thing is, video game stories are built to be played in video games. They're, they're meant to be 12, 13-hour stories and when you try and condense that into two hours or two and a half hours it will inevitably lose something that people fell in love with in the video game and that's why they nine times out of ten they get them wrong right yeah there's going to be something in every video game adaptation that someone loves from the video game that they won't have space to include in the movie and that's going to happen in Uncharted. That's going to happen in The Last of Us. If they're going to do 
those particular franchises, they need to tell a brand new story, something that expands the world rather than tells the same story, which was, I kind of liked the last Tomb Raider movie. I thought it was all right, the recent one. It wasn't amazing, but it was all right. But again, it was a very condensed version of the first Tomb Raider reboot. And the Tomb Raider reboot was fantastic because like it's a full-on 12-hour story. Brilliant. And they squeezed it into this short movie and it just lost something. And that's why I worry about The Last of Us and Uncharted and all of that stuff. Yeah. If they can tell a story that's not the same one we heard in the game, much like Detective Pikachu, for example, which I thought told a fun story that was a Pokemon movie, but not a Pokemon game movie, then I, I think that's where they need to go. They need to pick. It sounds crazy, I know, but they need to pick a video game that doesn't have, ideally, doesn't have a story at all. Something that expands the world. And the one I keep going back to, for whatever reason, is Rocket League. Because I think a fantastic story could be told in the Rocket League world. Because you play that game and you're like, what the hell is this world? It doesn't make any sense at all. I want to know why those stadiums were built in the way they were. What that world is. How do people control the cars? Are they driving them? Are they controlling them from a booth upstairs? I'd love to know how that world is and how that world evolves and becomes what it is. And so a film that told that story that still had the elements of Rocket League but built a story into it, I think would be a lot more interesting than video games that we already know and love as 12 or 13 hour narrative stories condensed into a two hour movie. Yeah. And, and that's all I've got to say about that. It's very passionate, Ross. Well done. Thanks. It's almost... It's almost like you've you've written that down somewhere before. Um, <laughs> it's, it's almost uh, it's, like it was in a draft in the in the in this website somewhere. Yeah, maybe. It's an, it might be a unfinished article. Who knows? <laughs> I I am totally agreement with you. That, that Tomb Raider movie, the most recent one, like you can you can see how it's hinging on exactly the same kind of overarching plot of the reboot Lara Croft game but because they've condensed like a 15 hour adventure into less than two hours that whole story beat of Lara Croft having to kill somebody and then feeling guilty about it and then eventually going oh do you know what the only the, the, these are actually the bad guys in the movie that is like a 20 second beat she like a guy attacks her yep. she murders him and then she's like Let's murder some motherfuckers! And he's yeah. like, what the fuck happened there? Like, <laughs> she went homicidal in, in like 20 seconds. And th- yeah, this is true. This is the reason I never want to see the Uncharted movie. Because when you're playing the Uncharted games, you don't really notice that you've murdered 500 people in order to save some an ancient treasure. <laughs> it's always like a bit of a puzzle to get past, isn't it? You know, it's not really, you don't really count the bodies. But in a movie, like, it is going to be very obvious that Nathan Drake has just murdered entire villages of people in order to stop a guy getting a golden chalice, which is, you know, there's some very big ludo-narrative dissonance there that, that needs sorting out. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, you know, they're, they're, they're condensing a long story. I mean, if, if there was a Last of Us story told over a series you know, like 10 episodes or 11 episodes, then, yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be interesting. Because I think there's enough beats that happen throughout the story that can be told over an episodic television series. But because these dicks like money, they'll just keep pushing out movies. 
and they keep picking the wrong goddamn movies. What, what do you think about um, Twisted Metal? Does anyone got a preference? Like a, a an I have on? no, I have no history with this game. Like, I've, I've got, I, was, uh, I wasn't a retro PlayStation player. I'm guessing it's going to be like a sort of Mad Max-ish. I would have thought some kind of um, TV show about you know Mad Max clone. I guess with yeah. a clown. Online. And, and um, my my initial reaction to that was, why pick Twisted Metal? It has no plot. And then, like Roscoe just said, I thought to myself, actually, that's a really great idea because none of these characters have ever really been explained. We've never really understood why Sweet yeah. Tooth, the guy that drives an ice cream truck, dressed as a clown with a flaming head, is the way he is. <laughs> you know, we've never yeah. really had his his background, so maybe that's something that's worth exploring in in a TV show. So. You are right, Roscoe. Stop picking the wrong fucking games. I think your suggestion, Sean, of uh, saying like siphon fields would work. I just started recently watching Jack Ryan, um, and that's that's really good. I'm enjoying that, and I can imagine you know there being a kind of I don't know, Mission Impossible esque spy thing happening with Gabe, um, which could work. Yeah. Um, would not, but but you have to ask yourself. Uh, you have to ask yourself: Are, are the I mean, we all play games, so we know the characters of Gabe Logan and all this kind of stuff. But does everybody else? Yeah, so if there's a kind of siphon film from PlayStation Film Studios, whatever, mm. who's going to give a shit apart from people who know PlayStation? Do you know what I mean? Well, but then, you know, you've got to look at, you know, audiences will come if the, if the product is good, regardless of, you know, look at Iron Man. I've never heard of Iron Man before I saw the film. Well, uh, and, but, yeah, but I think I think a lot of people have a bigger knowledge of Marvel overall than, you know, I, I've never read an Iron Man comic in my life. I've only seen pictures of him, and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. See a film of it. Um, no, I mean, I thought the, um, you know, the, away from the MCU, you know, way, I don't really read comics growing up, but I, I was aware of, like, the Fantastic Four and the Daredevil movie. And that was about my knowledge of Marvel. And, you know, the Fantastic Four were always everywhere. You know, they're always, to me, you know, in a non-Marvel-centric kind of fan base, to me, they were the most popular ones. And so it's like um, uh, the Umbrella Academy. Did you watch that series recently on Netflix? I did not. It was awesome. And I remember reading that comic book because I was a I'm big fan of Jared Way, so I read that. And I, got, and I got Jane to it. And she had no idea what it was, but the product was good. And that was enough to keep her watching it every week or every kind of episode that came up. And so I think if the final product is worth watching, then I think people could quite easily buy into IP that they may not be familiar with beforehand. Well, it's like the, the point example is just then. You said he wasn't um, a retro PlayStation, so you didn't really have any idea what Black uh, Twisted Metal was. So uh, I mean... No, I'm aware of it, but I, I've never played it. So, I mean, are you, are you likely to go, well, I've never played the game, so I ain't fussed about the film. I mean, that's pretty... See, the thing with Sony is, though, they, they, aren't, they aren't stupid, and everything that they do is always associated with something else. So, like, you know, the PlayStation 3, they bought on Blu-ray because they wanted people to buy Blu-ray players. They're sticking 8K in the PlayStation 5 because they want to sell 8K TVs. They are making movies to bring back IPs that are dormant. I don't think they're going to be going out there and, and and basically pissing away their own good IPs by making shit movies for them. I can see them going out and going, hey, we haven't had a, 
a siphon filter game since you know the one that was on the PSP that ended in a cliffhanger and we've pissed off pretty much everybody by doing so. Let's reboot the series and then make another game. You know, you make a game, you make a decent movie, and then you know you make some money off that. But now the IP is important again, and if you make a decent movie, people will then play a decent game. So it's you know it's yeah, it's it's all about associating you know adding value to that IP and it so you know like Heavenly Sword they haven't fucking touched that in in ages despite it being a pretty decent game and then they made like a, a CGI movie out of it that game that storyline was pretty fucking good but it could have been loads better and probably would have been a good movie you know you look mm. at some of the other fucking things that they got that they just don't use you know like G Police and Warhawk these things you know these. <laughs> No, but seriously, these things, you know, they, they have Sony have the biggest catalogue of dormant IP, which are fucking brilliant. Was, they um, don't use. Was Soul Weaver, is that a Sony game? Was that a... No, that's the Square Enix now. Square oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You think about like Wipeout, yeah? We, we, we're probably not going to get another Wipeout game for a long time. But a film would be good, though, it'd be fair. But a film would be fucking good. And yeah. if a film's good, then maybe people will buy another game because people yeah. just weren't buying the games. It's it's all about building that catalogue back up again and using the shit that they're not using already. So And you'd imagine that around the release of the Twisted Metal TV series, they're gonna re release the games in some form. Yeah, you'd you'd hope so. Yeah. And so that'll give people like, Oh, um there's a TV series coming out and they'll be like, Download Twisted Metal Remastered or whatever now. You know. It's on yeah. it's on PS now, I believe. I could just go and play it tonight if I wanted to, I think. It's, it's, Maybe I will. Uh, don't do it on. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. The latency will kill that game for you. It is one of the twitchiest combat. It's car combat, and it's it. It really needs like. Well, you can get the PS2 classics. I think Twisted Metal Black is on PS4 that you can buy. Um, but you probably want to play the original. But yeah, I mean the the, the problem okay. with the Twisted Metal game, games is they they are really twitchy and they are a very big niche. Um, but they, it is a dormant IP that they're not using. And I'd really, do you know what I'd really like? You remember, you know the um, uh, the Grand Tour game. Yes. So, like, if they basically made those movies, so basically they made a twisted metal TV series about the characters, but every time that those characters went into car combat, you had a little bit of a game. So I don't know if you if, if you've not played the the Grand Tour game. Basically, it is an episode of the TV show, but every time one of the idiots step into a car it becomes a game and you race around the track as them. If that was to be something that Sony could adopt, that would be fucking brilliant. Like an episode of a TV show, you sit and watch the narrative and then you take over every time there's combat. Would be, mwah, chef kiss <laughs> gif. Mm. All the money. I'd take yeah. that. I would take There you go. The gauntlet has been laid down, Sony. It sounds like, you know, they've chosen Twisted Metal as their first thing, which I think is very left field. And... Maybe they have taken on my advice that I've only just said now. And gone. <laughs> you know what? Damn it, he's right. Let's just pick random things and make worlds out of them. Because, yeah, why not? Twisted Metal could be quite interesting. It's going to be pretty wild. Okay, uh, one more thing. Very quickly. A new Star Wars movie was announced this week, and it's based on Knights of the Old Republic. Now... I am going to direct this to Mr. Sean Davies. Oh, Paul, if you have played it, but I've never played it. I don't know what Knights of the Republic is. Internet went absolutely crazy. They seem excited. Are they right to be excited about a Knights of the Old Republic movie? 
Yes. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's done right. Yeah. It's the the games. So the 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 story that they're looking to is a, an old Bioware game, um, and I mean the game was really good, uh, but the storyline um, involved really ancient Jedi's and going to planets, which involved the creation of the Force and good and light, and it's it was a really great story and hopefully they can do it justice. I honestly don't think you can and I'm not excited for this movie at all. You see, they keep picking the wrong games. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's it. I would, I would watch a full length Star Wars movie of episode one Pod Racer. Yes, mate. Guys, <laughs> make it happen. Didn't, didn't they already do that? The Phantom Menace? No. Never. <laughs> never. Brand, new, brand new IP, that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Brand new IP. Although... It was um, the 20 year anniversary of the Phantom Menace this week, which is yeah. terrifying. But um, they, they they showed that um, that original poster again with Anakin with the shadow of Darth Vader. I was like, oh my god! I think that's I, I still think that's the best film poster of all time. Yeah, it's like it's it's just cool. foreshadowing. It's yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's so obvious foreshadowing. <laughs> They're just shoving it directly into Sh- your face. Shadow, yeah. and and it's oh it's god god. It's like very literal. Somebody yeah. went, we need to foreshadow on this poster and went, I'm going to make the shadow <laughs> a foreshadow. Yes, mate. Nailed it. Oh, it. Nailed it. <laughs> but it works, man. I love that poster. It's absolutely, it's just beautiful. All right. Um, I think that's it for the news. Is there anything else anybody wants to throw in while we're here? So we'll jump into the quiz answers. Okay, then. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I honestly feel like I'm Monty. Uh, I'm in Monty Python, and you're walking <laughs> behind me with a pair of coconuts, like <laughs> the Knights of Knee. Um, anyway, um, it's meant to be. It's meant to be when Prince Ali enters Agrabah with the elephants and the uh, Prince Ali fabulous. He uh, okay, uh, fair enough. I'll be honest with you. Um, I've watched Aladdin once. Um, and, oh God! But played the the game for years. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, question, question one was, what does E three stand for? Um, Ross, go on. Answer this one. The Electronic Entertainment Expo. Congratulations. Paul, did uh, you get that one? I certainly did. Well done. Well done, Chad. Thanks, man. Uh, okay, question two. In which US city was the first ever E3 held back in 1995? Paul, what have you got? I'll put them LA. That the is LA correct. LA Convention Center. That is correct. Excellent. Which is where it is now. It is, but it, it has moved oh, from several you, times. Sean. <laughs> I knew you were screwing with me. Yes, I was. Ah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it started in LA. Um, it moved to... It's been to... Other places, but it, it did come back to LA because um, it became the E3 Business and Commerce Center, um, and it was it was in oh, why have I, Santa Monica. Um, but then it moved back to LA, and yes, it's still there now. Because there was one in Atlanta. There was. Oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, sorry. Right. It was it, Atlanta Airport, wasn't it? It was just like yeah. randomly at an airport. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Question three. In which year did E3 first allow the general public to buy tickets to attend the show? Ross. I want to say 2017. Correct. Yes. Well done, Paul. Thanks, man. So, yeah, in 2015, they gave away 5,000 tickets to vendors to give away to their fans. 2016, they had E3 Live. But in 2017, they finally allowed people to buy tickets to get in. Um, okay, question four. Um, at the 1995 E3, Sony's president, Steve Race, went up on stage to present a three-second long speech. What did he say? Anyone got a guess? Uh, I said, buy a PlayStation. <laughs> um, oh, Ross, what, what have you got? $299. I will take it. Yeah, he got up on stage and said, 299 which was in response to the Sega Saturn, which had had its price announced earlier, at $399. <laughs> and the, the room Ooh. went mental. But the Sega Saturn was dropped that day, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, they shadow dropped it right there and then. Yeah, when they realised that they were going to be $100 more and a worse product, which is yeah. like <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, okay, so question five. Which console manufacturer will not attend E3 this year for the first time ever in the event's history? Paul? Well, I've a pun that's Sony. Congratulations, you are correct. Thank you very much. Um, very <laughs> question six. In which year did the publisher Bethesda first hold their own E3 keynote presentation? Ross? I, I know it was recently. I don't think I've got this right. Was it 2014? It was 2017. Oh, man. Oh, son of a bitch. What? No. Can you take 2018 as in, you know, no. 2018? <laughs> <laughs> Can you take the incorrect answer? Absolutely not, sir. Well, it was so close, you know. So their, first, <laughs> their first onstage E3 was the Bethesda Land thing. Um, they did it. Okay. Um, was it? What's it? Welcome to Bethesda Lands, and they did like a little fairground on stage where they went to every different game. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Son of a bitch. Um, where are we now? Um, question seven. At which E3 show was the forever in development The Last Guardian first unveiled by Sony? Uh, Paul, what have you got? I'll put 2012. Okay, Ross, what have you got? Uh, 2008. Ah, uh, it was 2009. Oh. Yeah, they had this whole decade and development thing going on, didn't they? So, uh, okay. Um, in, <laughs> in, <laughs> it came out in 2017, but all right. Yeah, no, because it started development in 2007. Oh, okay. In 1996, the E3 organizers arranged the official E3 showing outside of the US. Um, it was the first and only one. Uh, in which country was it held? Do either of you have a guess? Um, I've got two answers. Now, if I get one right, can I have a point still? I'll take your first answer, and that's the only one I'm going to take. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 402 answers. So we can take one of these. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'll, put, I'll put Germany because of your clue, but... Uh, okay, Ross, what did you put? I put Germany. Uh, it was in Japan. Uh, can I just say, that is my second answer. Can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Look, I'm going to put a photo and put it on select. Hold on. 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. Because I think I can get this point. I'm, I'm not sure about this. No, oh, come on, man. No, I'm not, I'm not taking it. I'm taking your first answer. It was Germany. Help, help my brother out. So, yeah, in, in 1996, um, E3 decided to try and take on the Tokyo Game Show. Um, and they arranged a E3 Tokyo 96. And it bombed massively because Sony and Nintendo pulled out. So Sega were the only people that turned up. Look at Slack. Look at Slack. I'm not going to look at Slack. I Just look at Slack. First, I, mean, I took your first answer. I took yeah, your first yeah, answer. But my first answer written down <laughs> is actually Japan. His first answer is written down is Japan. I can confirm. Cool. But he did say Germany. <laughs> so... I still got it right, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking that answer. Sorry. Oh, sure? I asked you which... <laughs> Completely <laughs> got the right answer, man. Okay, question nine. Which video game publisher has previously held their unofficial E3 showcase in the car park of a Hooters restaurant next door to the LA Convention Center? Oh, Ross, yeah. I think you've got this right. Go on, give me what you've got. I mean, it's got to be Devolver, isn't it? It is Devolver, yes. Yeah. Yes, Daddy. Okay, question 10. Which publisher <laughs> is associated with both the infamous Mr. Caffey and the Girlwood E3 conferences? Paul? Uh, I have no idea. I'll just put down Sierra. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was amazing. Um, it was Ubisoft. It was oh. Ubisoft. I used to Tyler getting a bit overexcited about things. Yeah, and then the next year she had a Girlwood basically on a t shirt the entire Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, question 11. This is the one that Paul is going to be um, either. Very impressed with all. In 2009, EA staged a fake religious protest outside the E3 conference to advertise one of their upcoming games. Which was it? What did you think it was, Paul? I put down Dante's Inferno. You fucking got it right as well. Fuck yeah! <laughs> wow, impressed. I'll, I'll win full stop. End of. <laughs> Russ, what did you put down for that one? I put Dante's Inferno. Well done. I originally went Far Cry 5, but then you said 2009. I was like, no, okay. Oh, yeah, of course, awesome. yes. Mm. Um, there was an actual religious protest outside E3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's nothing to do with us guys. They're just actually angry religious people out there. Yeah. Um, if you ever get a chance, um, Google some of the Dante's and Perno's um, kind of picket fence. Like they, they had like placards and stuff outside the building. And it was like cheat codes wrote save your soul and <laughs> electronic antichrist. It was just crazy. Um, it wasn't a bad game, to be fair. I think they yeah. could have done, done with a, another one. Yes. Um, it's hard to do when it's based on a poem and the poem ended, though. True. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, question 12. Actor Jack Black will be in attendance at E3 2019 to sit on a panel to advertise which game? Um, Paul? Psychonauts 2? Congratulations, buddy. Well done. That yes, oh, correct. How patronising. No, no, but you said <laughs> no, but, like you're basically like I, I asked you because like I thought you got it right because you were on the right track earlier. So, oh, okay. Um, okay. So, do you want to tot up your scores? I'm having Tokyo. I don't give a shit. Japan and Japan, same place. Okay, um, Ross, how many have you got? Eight. Well done. Um, Paul, by the, the sounds of that. <sighs> I got seven. That's unlucky. Me. 
Yeah. And I did include Japan in that as well because damn right. <laughs> Do you know what? You can have it. You're still lost. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. For, oh, thank yeah. you very much for the quiz. Oh, yeah. I'm just now. It's your... weird sex voices, Ross. You're freaking me out. Um, I am. I am. I am undefeated. I just want to. Just want to point that out. Actually, no, you're not. Cause I have won once, so you have defeated at least once. Yeah, you're right. Didn't we yeah. draw that? No, I won. Uh, yeah, Paul won the first one, I think it was. Yeah, man, the inaugural one. Um, and I think has Greg won one? I think he has. No, he hasn't. Greg hasn't won one. No, um, he hasn't. Yeah, he's... he gets so close though. Every he time. He does every time. Is that the reason he's not here this week? Is he just? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, right, thank you, Sean. Pleasure as uh, always. Cheers, dude. How are you getting on? If you if anyone can beat me from my top of the table position, then do let me know. But, yes, uh, because I heard you type on Google bloody time, though, mate. I'm, I'm typing it into a Google Doc. Yeah, Google search engine, more like. Dear uh, Google, where was the E3 held in blah, blah, blah? And you got the answer then. I know you're going. We're, we're going to do this live one time. Yes. We're going we're <laughs> to do it. It's EGX. I'm going to set up a fringe panel. And we're going to have a, a, a quiz live on stage. That'll be fun. Oh man, we can get you dressed up in like a sparkly jacket. You can have like cue cards and. Oh man, I don't do that. Everyone used to call me Dale Winton. Like <laughs> when I was younger and I didn't have a beard and I had some hair and wasn't fat, I looked like Dale Winton. So yeah, that's amazing. The things I've gone through to stop looking like Dale Winton. I've done so much weight, lost all my hair, grown a beard, stopped taking care of myself. Now I don't look like that one anymore. Cool. <laughs> That's funny. Right. Well, that does bring it in to the Pinky Guns podcast for another week. Uh, before we go, just checking on out this week. Out this week on the 28th of May is Little Friends Dogs and Cats coming to Nintendo Switch, which is like Nintendo Dogs, but cheaper. So that's very exciting if you're into that sort of thing. Also on the 28th, Cricket 19. That's coming out on PS4 and Xbox One. Uh, Trover Saves the Universe is coming out on the 31st of May on PSVR. Anyone excited about that? No, but I'm excited by Blood and Truth, which comes out in two days. Man, I was I was getting to that. Oh, I'm sorry. I was what? building up to it. What a crescendo. Uh, and he's just stole your thunder. Oh. On the 29th, from uh, Sobodesco, Among the Sleep Enhanced Edition is coming to physical stores, which is cool. Among the Sleep's pretty dope. Um, if you haven't played it before, now is your chance. £20 physical release. Uh, Pixar is coming to PS4 and Xbox One and Nintendo Switch, which looks like some sort of RPG Minecraft-y kind of thing. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's halfway between Minecraft and Ark. Like dinosaur game, they kind of like made it in voxel graphics, so it's cool. But I mean, they all do. So you put their headsets on and then vomit everywhere. <laughs> Fair enough. And of course, finally on the 29th is Blood and Truth on PSVR. Yes. Which uh, looks like it's going to be one of the biggest games of the year in the Finger Guns land. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you can. I. Believe there's a write up of it of our play of our hands on from EGX last year on the website. Is it? I have no idea. I wrote one, maybe oh, it's probably there then. I'd imagine. 
Yeah. I hope so, unless it's been in draft all this time, which would be unfortunate. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> uh, it might be in one of your listicles. Uh, yeah, I think I put it in my listicles. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan of the listicles. Yes. It's an article with a list in it, you see? Yep. Listicle. 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 Oh, that's what the other bit is. Uh, it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, that's uh, what it means. Well, it does bring an end to this week's Finger Guns podcast. Thank you all very much indeed for listening. Don't forget, you can get the Finger Guns podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter on at, at FNGRGNS. You can follow our individual handles in the description below. You can follow us on Facebook on facebook.com forward slash UK. If you want to follow us on Twitch, you can on twitch.tv forward slash fingerguns.net. Did you know... If you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime, which is a free subscription service to all your favorite streamers on Twitch. You don't have to give it to us, but if you did, that would be amazing. Thank you very much indeed. It's completely free, and you can sign up to whoever you like. But if you want to give it to us, that would be great. Also, don't forget, this podcast is funded completely by our Patreons. So if you do want to become a Patreon, follow Fingerguns, uh, sorry, uh, patreon.com forward slash Fingerguns. And for less than a, a dollar a month, you can join us on this crazy, crazy ride and help us buy Nerf guns so we can all shoot Paul in the face when we see him next. It's all very exciting. Yeah. Can't wait. I cannot wait. So, that's it from us. It's a big goodbye from Mr. Paul Collett. Ciao. It's a big goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Goodbye. <laughs> it was a big goodbye, see? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's better than uh, Toodles. Yeah. I like Toodles. It's very friendly. Okay, then. Toodles. It's a catchphrase now. And it's a goodbye from me, Mr. Roscoe Keniston, your host. Don't forget, we'll be back next week with a big old E3 blowouts where we discuss what we think is going to be happening at E3 this year on every single panel. I haven't told you guys this, but that's what's happening, and it's going to be great. So I'll see you then. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Finger Guns Podcast. Yeah.